I can definitely say I am grateful that I grew up oneness, having the understanding of what the Bible says in Deuteronomy when God said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. To know that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And even as I mentioned some stuff in this last episode, talking about how all the ways of God are single. We know even with a man and a woman coming together, they become one flesh. When the church, as I believe Acts chapter four talks about worship together, they become one soul. When you and God are interacting, it says you become one spirit. It's very good to know that every way of God is single. It's not double. It's not dual. It's not triple. It's not poly. But the core essence of God is singleness. It's peaceful. It's in agreement. Even when you bring multiple factors into it, it all becomes one. But even though he's single, your eye be single, then the light of your eye be single. The Bible talks about how we need to have that focus on God, but it also talks about Jesus talks about how if your light really be darkness, how great is that darkness? It also talks about double mindedness and stuff like that. We're going to cover all these concepts today, but even though God is single, it doesn't mean that God is simple. Now it does talk about how the testimony of the Lord in Psalm 19 makes wise the simple. So the wisdom of God is understandable to the simple, but it's not for them to stay simple because God is not simple. The Bible says his wisdom is multifaceted. So today, my goal is to talk about the revelation of the dimensions of God, the dimensions of everything that he's created and to understand that, yes, while he is one, that doesn't mean that he's simple. There's a lot of depth to him. There's a lot more to him than just one aspect, but all together, it's just one thing, just like a cube. A cube is one. It's just one thing, but it has three dimensions and it has multiple sides. So just because it has three dimensions doesn't mean that's all there is to it. And people debate about, oh, it's God one, it's the Trinity, he's bigger than all of that, but he's one. And even the Trinity, yes, it describes the three dimensions, which we're going to talk about today. But even then, that doesn't even fully describe him because it says his wisdom, the experience, the learning of God is multifaceted. There's so much more to him. It talks about the seven spirits of God. It talks about multiple spirits with the association not to a angel but to him and his deity so it's very important that we understand his dimensions but before i dive any deeper than what i've ever already dove put on your scuba diving gear and let us pray before we hop into this episode so dear heavenly father i thank you for this day thank you for everything that you provided for us i pray lord that you would pour out of your spirit your wisdom your understanding your counsel your might your godliness your fear lord the godly fear of the lord that leads us and guides us into reverence of who you are I pray, Lord, that you would give us knowledge of who you are, that you would lead us and guide us in your grace and your liberty. And you would give us understanding of how to properly apply your word, that you would lead us by your testimony, 
your word, that you would lead us by your blood, that you would wash us by the water of your word, that you would enlighten us with your light, that you would lead us and guide us in all your ways and give us revelation of who you are so that we can continue to press, to continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of who you are. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you forever. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the first passage of scripture I have here today is found in 1 John chapter 5. Starting with verse 1, it says the following. Whosoever believeth Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that begotten that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. What did I say? What do I say? Like every episode first, not first John, John 14 and 15, John 15 and 14. And all of first John tell us that the love of God is obedience, obedience, disobedience caused the first curse in the Bible. So it's very important that we are obedient. Disobedience causes any wrath and any consequences that we get in our life. It usually comes through an avenue of disobedience. It's the first thing. So we know that this is the love of God. And also, we also know that his his commandments are not grievous. So it's not wickedness. It's not unreasonable. What does Romans chapter 12 say? That we become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So we must be set apart, not mixed with any dirt or anything like that. And also acceptable. Like we talked about last time, that is our reasonable service. And remember his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So when it becomes burdensome, it doesn't mean it doesn't take any effort. We just have to put forth effort. But it doesn't mean it's burdensome. That's wickedness. Wickedness means burdensome. Wickedness means toilsome. Wickedness is oppressive. And that doesn't mean that we will never have any tribulation in this life because that's promised. And persecutions will come and offenses will come. All that is promised. But his commandments, what he told us to do is not grievous. So verse four, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we know that ultimately the ways of God leads to overcoming. It doesn't lead to avoidance. It doesn't lead to tolerance. It doesn't lead to compromise. It leads to overcoming. He doesn't lead us away from death, but he leads us through death. You see that in Psalm 23. You see that in first Corinthians chapter 15. You see that. Through Jesus himself, he could not get the glory that he needed to be to be glorified without except dying, except to see it die, cannot become what it's supposed to be. So there's something that we must go through with God. That is what his commandment does. It leads us through. It doesn't lead us around. It leads us through to where we overcome situations, not avoid it. But there's a purpose to every trial. That's the point of what I'm saying. So the way of God leads to overcoming. We are more than conquerors with him. So that's how we can tell a true believer by his love and by his ability or their ability, should I say, to overcome. So it's not necessarily predicated on material things, but your ability to surpass 
the ways of his world. So, but he that overcometh that Jesus is, the, but he, who is he that overcometh? But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy Ghost. I find it interesting that they chose the father, the word, and the Holy Ghost. And they didn't say the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. Because the word is a very important aspect. So, the three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. So, in heaven there's three things, and in earth there's three things. Remember, whenever we pray, we have to remember these two things. There's heaven and there's earth. So, that spiritual side, and then there's the the carnal side, there's the celestial side, and there's the terrestrial side, as 1 Corinthians 4, 15 would describe it. So, the three things that bear record in heaven, in the spiritual, are the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And then there are three that bear witness in the earth, and that is the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. So, both of these are one. If we receive the witness of men, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, a lot of people don't realize that when it talks about the word of our testimony, it's not just talking about things that happen good for us or things that God did for us. But our testimony is Jesus Christ. He is our witness. That's what that really means. So it's talking about two different dimensions of the, our witness in the earth. How do we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? We overcome by the blood and by his spirit. The testimony in the old Testament was always marked by the spirit the tabernacle of testimony, the ark of testimony where his spirit was. So we see the connection between the father and the spirit, the word and the water and the Holy ghost and the blood. So we see this connection in these three witnesses, both in the earth and in, we also see the, cause the thing is the reason why the Holy ghost and the blood are connected because the Holy ghost of course is a spirit. But how did the father interact with our spirit? He breathed into us and gave us a spirit. How did the word interact with the water? He spoke to the water. That's a spiritual thing. The words matter. Word is a sign of dominion. That's part of the reason why Adam was called to speak. The word is what impacted the water. And he spoke light. And then, like I said, the Holy Ghost and the blood. How did the Bible say we're going to change our souls. The law of the Lord converteth the souls. What else is another scripture? It talks about how we're not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. How? Through the spirit. So how does our heart change? Because 
God has the ability to harden and soften our hearts. And remember last episode, we talked about that revelation of the blood. It is through his spirit that changes our soul. It changes our life and our livelihood. It changes our mindsets and the way that we think, the way that we see, the way that we feel. It's through his Holy Spirit. So it's not by our own doing, but our submission to his spirit. So this is the testimony that comes from Jesus Christ. If we truly believe in him and we act on that belief because we know the devils believe and they tremble. So we really have to show our belief through our faith. So if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater for the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. What is his son? His son is the word, the center of this all the word that was spoken to the water. Okay. So we need to recognize that the word, that's why it says the words that we say matter because life and death is in the power of the tongue. That is one of the very things that makes us different than all the animals. We are different than the animals because we have the ability to speak and to have an impact on things. Similarly, the things of the spirit, they need an avenue to speak through. God spoke and made these things possible. So when you speak, you give birth to things. And that's one thing that kind of, like I said, separates the men from the women in the Bible from the very beginning. Women were able to receive the word by listening. Men were able to speak and also see, but men were able to speak and that's the words of their mouth, whether they use it to provoke and tear down or they use it to edify the words of their mouth are able to change things, but women can have an influence on things and nurture things. So there's two different ways of giving life. And as you, you see all the time with parents, when a father corrects his kids versus when a mother corrects his kids, there's, there's a difference because the way that we operate are different on that fundamental level. And that's just some stuff that I covered in that last episode yesterday, but I want just, was going to further highlight that. So the purposes of me saying this is his son. The son is the word. So the words that we say, period, whether we're male or female matter. Okay. But we need to also make sure that we pay attention to his word, because if we embrace his word, everything that we can do is in his word. His word is the law. So when we are within his word, we are within his son. When we are within his commandment, we are within Jesus. We are abiding in his love, which means we are abiding in his covering. So going on, it says, this is the life that we have in his son. Verse 12, he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. So he that does not have the word of God does not have life. These things have I written unto you that Believe on the name of the son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the son of God. And this is the confidence that we have 
in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man, so before I even continue there, we know that when our, the heaven and earth are aligned, when the spiritual and the things that we need to see come to pass in the flesh are aligned, then it will come to pass. That's why we must understand the dimensions of the spirit, the dimensions of the creation in general, the dimensions of the earth. When we are praying, our father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. As we conform to his image, we begin to seek those things. We look beyond the earthly perspective because what is and we'll probably read this. Colossians chapter three says to set, seek those things which are above before it says, set your mind on things above. So first seek those things above that revelatory faith. It's not blind faith. It's revelatory faith, which means we see with peace that passes our understanding on this earth because we are seeking things from heaven. So we know what is needed in heaven and God's desire in heaven. And that's why we know when we pray this or we say this, it's going to come to pass because it's not my will, but his will being done. So it's very important that we understand these dimensions and these facets of God in order to see our prayers come to pass, that we pray with effectual and fervent prayer. So prayer that bubbles over and is effective, that fervency, it bubbles over. So that means it's going beyond just a fleshly routine and vanity into an actual spiritual impact. So continuing on verse 16, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and give, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. And I do not say that he shall pray for it. So, it's talking about how we can. It's interesting because the Bible talks about now. This is not what I'm about to say here is not what that weird priestly doctrine or Catholic doctrine, whatever you want to call it, or even some other doctrines. It may not just be Catholic, but the Catholic Church is the first one that really perpetuated this, that you need to go to a priest and go to a confessional and have your sins forgiven. No, that's completely ungodly. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that says we need to go to someone else to be forgiven of our sins. But on the flip side, we must not miss this concept that Jesus said to his disciples that whosoever you forgive will be forgiven and whosoever you will not forgive will not be forgiven. So what does that mean? When you are aligned with God, that's that's one thing people don't realize that judgment is not a bad thing. All you're doing when you're judging as a saint, as a child of God is coming into agreement. We don't even come up with the rules. All we do is come up into agreement because it says God judges. He's the judge. And when we praise God and when we thank God, we are executing judgment. That's Psalm 149. And even I believe 145 talks about it too. one uh, Psalm 50. It talks about how. The saints execute judgments. So that's what this is. Even when our praise and our thanks and our prayer and our intercession, all these things, when we pray for people. And like I said, it's an air not unto death. The prayer changes things. It gives releases the mercy. It releases the truth as well. 
that's also what the point of going on beyond just praying in uh, it talks about praying in with understanding and with the spirit. So just praying beyond the spirit, but also praying with understanding and singing in the spirit and also with understanding that's prophetic. That's when you transfer from just normal praise to prophetic praise, that edification aspect to it. So it all comes from having that understanding of what the will of the Lord is. So. Verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself in that wicked one. So you either are walking in the righteous way of God or the wicked way of Satan and his kingdom and his toilsome ways. So he that is begotten of God keepeth himself keepeth himself and that wicked one toucheth him not. So Satan with his burdensome ways and his ordinances of the world, the ways of this wicked world will not be able to touch you. That doesn't mean that you will never have afflictions or whatever, but the burden of wickedness will never get on you. That's what this is about. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. What did I say? The world way of the world, the God of this world is wicked. It's toilsome. And we know that the son of God is come and hath given us understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him. We are in him. That is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So you cannot have a life without truth. And this world teaches us the love to appeal to other people rather than telling them the truth. And, you're living in falsehood, which is death. You're living an animated life, but animation. One thing people don't realize, especially this is how a lot of things operate within the demonic. A lot of demons. They're like, I love how pastor, this pastor, Stephen Darby. I like to listen to him a lot. He has very revelatory preaching. And honestly, he's had a big impact on a lot of the things that I say. I didn't mention him much, but I don't care anymore. Like I said, I don't really care what people think. That doesn't mean I agree with everything that this pastor says, but he's definitely been the pastor that I listened to that I never met, but I listened to and things that I struggled with my whole life, things that, like I said, it just helped me with a lot of stuff. So I'd highly recommend that pastor. But like I was saying, he described it in a way of saying like demons are like cartoons to where they can fight, they can stab each other, they can do this and that. And they're really doing it, but it has no impact. But when they have a connection in the flesh, then what they do actually has an impact. So that's what their goal is, is to get out of falsehood. The thing is, when demons enact through you and the ways of the demonic enact through you, they're trading you to their falsehood and their numbness. But they're getting their will fulfilled to you. So your soul is now feeling numb and not living. You're animated, but you're not living. And this demon is getting its will and it's getting its life and its pain and everything. It's getting everything enacted through you. So it's living through you and not. And you are in a deathly state to where, yes, you're animated because there's two different words for life. There's that soulful word for life and then there's that spiritual word for life. So you may have a soul, but you're not living in the spirit. That's what this is about. 
So we need to make sure that we are walking in truth. That is every way of the spirit of God is in truth. So we must make sure that we are living in truth. And that is how we have eternal life. What does the last verse say here? Little children, so children of God, keep yourself from idols. Amen. So we have to choose whether we're going to follow the way of God or if we're going to follow the way of idols, if we're going to set up something outside of the will of God. So there's more I'm going to say on that, but I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap of some of the things that were said. There are three dimensions, but there's multiple facets of God. God is single. He is one. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but we must understand the multiple facets. We must understand the dimensions of God. So verse verses seven and eight said there are three that bear record in heaven, the father, the word and the Holy Ghost. And then there are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit, the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. So. I'm going to continue to expound on this throughout this episode, but the next passage of scripture is going to be in Colossians. I'm trying to decide if I am going to read, you know what? I'm going to read it because I was only going to read Colossians three, but I'm going to read Colossians two, two, because I always reference it, but I've never really read it that much on this podcast, but it's very important because not only does it uh, include the point that I've been making that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but it also describes the separation that we need to understand to operate effectively in the dimensions of God. So Colossians chapter, I recommend that in your own time, you read Colossians. It's a short chapter. I mean, a short book, you could read it every day if you desired within an hour about. So you should definitely read it because the whole book encapsulates the point that I'm making about having that revelation and wisdom and God that's multiple multifaceted and talking about the lights, the light that comes from the father, which is the spirit. But and it talks about the principalities and his overcoming power through the blood of the cross. So really, Colossians is a good chapter, like I said, to read in your own time as a whole that would further explain the dimensions of God. So it's Ephesians because they talk about some of the same stuff. But I'm going to start in chapter two just for the sake of time today. So it says the following for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Now I'm gonna pause right here. What happened in Genesis? Eve was beguiled because she was moved by the wickedness of this world. Adam sinned. So the way of wickedness is to deceive and to beguile you. It'll still lead to death. But the way of wickedness, the burdensome way of the world will have you so burdened that you're not even able to see that you're doing wrong. Versus 
foolishness, which is what led Adam because he was so lustful, I guess, and not wanting to lose his wife. He chose his wife over God. He knew what was wrong, but he thought if I, perhaps he thought if I don't, if I correct my wife, I may lose her. But he was so foolish that he sinned. So foolishness leads to willingly willing sinfulness like Balaam. He knew he was doing wrong. But the way of Eve, like I said, she was beguiled by the wickedness and her paying attention and listening to the way of the world. So that's why it's very important that we are covered, even as men, by Christ, that we are within the order of God. And then we will not be beguiled and we will not be deceived. So. And how are we beguiled? So this is another spiritual dimension with enticing word, persuasive words. So the words that we listen here, faith cometh by hearing. So the things that we listen to matter. This is how we prevent from being seduced and being flattered from being pulled in or receiving things that we should not be receiving. So continuing on verse five, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order. Notice order is important and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith that ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's that oneness aspect, that simple, not simple singleness to God, not simple, but singleness that comes with God, that oneness aspect in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. No other name given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus. That's why the way that we're baptized as we'll see here and you're complete in him which is the head of all principality and power in whom ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him, though the faith of the operation of God through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwritten ordinances. It's very important that you recognize the handwritten ordinances, not the God written, God spoken ordinances, but the handwritten ordinances of man, the traditions of man. We're not talking about what people received from God, but the things that man created is what we're talking about. The handwritten ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross and having spoiled principalities and power. He made a show of them openly and triumphing over them in it. Let no man judge you, judge you in meat and drink in respect of a holy day or in the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. There's a lot I could say right there. And I should probably focus on what I'm going to say here. But notice it's saying, let no man judge versus let no man beguile you. 
and notice in the New Testament, they still did these things. So and then another thing to recognize is in the Old Testament, when it's talking about the Holy Ghost and the things that it's going to produce, it talks about the the new moon and the Sabbath and how it will lead people to observe the laws of God. So it's a little weird how theology, the philosophy of men has led us to believe that the Holy Ghost is just about speaking in tongues and not even just about that, just a good feeling inside when the Old Testament in alignment with the New Testament says that it's going to lead us to continue in the laws of God in these ways because it's a shadow of things to come because Christ is coming back to this earth. So what's this really saying that the, let nobody judge you about these things or was it really saying uh, that nobody judge or condemn against you for doing these things that's for you to pray about but I'm just throwing that that was for free so continuing on verse 18 let no man beguile you now here's the trickery so not the judgment this is trickery beguile you of your reward and voluntary humility and a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding in those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind and not holding the head from which all the body of the joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increased in the increase with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Now, a lot of people will use this to say it's talking about legalism. I have a lot to say about that, but not for this episode. But the point of this is to say, are you depending on God or are you depending on, are you, do you have a false sense of spirituality to where, you are led by other things. It talks about worshiping of angels. So we have these orishas or familiar spirits or ancestor spirits, or even in church, I've noticed a lot of people, they almost kind of pray to angels or release these angels. And I'm not saying, you know, God can't release his host or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say, but there is a strangeness that I'm noticing and I'm just going to leave it at that to where we didn't make sure that we're operating focusing on Jesus Christ and him judging and him releasing what he desires to release. We're not commanding angels. Now it does talk about how, you know, things may be cast out. That's a little different, but that's what a conjuring is. It's a stirring, but it's also an invocation. And we are only supposed to really invoke the name of Jesus. When we call on the name of the Lord and a way of invoking is not just in our words, it's mainly through our words, but also in our actions and our conversations. So when we're baptized in Jesus name, we are invoking the name of Jesus Christ. So when you're doing certain actions, when you're singing certain songs, when you're doing certain things after the way of this world, you're invoking other spirits. So not going to go too deep into that. The other thing it talks about not being after the rudiments of this world. It didn't say rudiments of God. It didn't say we're not subject to the rules of God and the ordinances of God, the statutes of God, which the Old Testament talks a lot about. The New Testament still talks about 
we are still under the ordinances of God, but we're not under the ordinances of man to where we need to worry about, oh, I need to provide this money for my family. I need to do this and that. I need to hurry up and do all these obligations. That's wickedness. It's toilsome and burdensome. The point of this passage is to re reveal that we only have a little bit that God has commanded for, for us. It's not too hard. The spirit enables us to do it. But all this extra stuff that the world is asking of us, the wickedness and the toilsome ways of this world, we don't have to worry about that. That's what the point of this is. So continuing on now, chapter three, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So that last chapter and even the chapter before that, it talks about the power of Christ and your hope. It also talks about your hope as well. But all that talks about the ways of this world. So the philosophies of this world, a worldly way of seeing things. So the wickedness, the way of this world and the wickedness has a toilsome way of saying things because you're always philosoph having a philosophy or keeping the tradition of men and of the fathers that had nothing to do with Christ. Like I said, there's some good traditions that it talks about that come from God specifically. And you'll find it in the Bible. But if it ain't in the Bible, it's not a traditional God. That's just what it comes down to. But like I said, first, it's going to get us to no longer see with the wisdom of the earth and to see things from a worldly perspective. But now we're going to begin to see things from a heavenly perspective where Christ is sitting because we're now dead to this world. So we're no longer feeling what we should originally felt in this world. But now we are going on to the way of the spirit. We're no longer sensual and doing what our soul feels, but we're doing something in the spirit. It's more than the way of the mind, but it's deeper. It's it requires understanding, but really the peace of God surpasses understanding because we are looking with a heavenly mindset and have a heavenly peace, heavenly agreement. So first, the way that we see things is now in faith. It's not blind. It's revelatory. So we see beyond the circumstance. Verse two, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. So remember, the last scripture we talked about talks about the different dimensions within the earth and the different dimensions within heaven. So this is going to talk about some of the same thing. Mortify your members which are on the earth, the ways that the things that we feel and affect us within the earth. Firstly, fornication sexual sin of any kind so fornication uncleanness which is a pr product of uh it's a product of eating things sacrificed to idols or touching things sacrificed to idols a product of different things of the flesh such as fornication it's a product that makes us unclean within and it also causes diseases as well and different other disorders it comes from uncleanness so we're mortifying fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, which is an obsession. It's a mindset. Affection is not about feeling. It's about mind, mental. So inordinate affections outside of the will of God. So you have obsessions, you have compulsions. This is what this is about. Evil con 
concupiscence, which is passions or desires. So you have bad desires. Now we're getting to the feelings to where now you're emotional and you're not following after the way of God, but you're following after the things. I just have this overwhelming urge to. Yes, that's what this is talking about. And then lastly, covetousness, which is the thing that the New Testament probably talks about. One of the commandments it talks about the most because it is the motivation behind a lot of the other disobedience. And all this is idolatry. Verse five says all these sins are idolatry. So it's not just the physical worshiping of an idol, but this is idolatry. These things, when you're tuned into these things, it is going to prevent you from seeing the dimensions of God. Little children of God, my fellow brothers and sisters, in order to keep your eyes focused on the dimensions of God, we have to tune out of the ways of this world. We have to mortify be dead with Christ to these things, to where we're no longer affected by these things and continually crucify our flesh. Die daily. It doesn't mean you're going to crucify and you're never going to be tempted to fornicate again. Never be tempted to obsess over this and that. Never be have an urge again. But we mortify it daily. Because why? Idolatry. And what happens with idolatry and disobedience? For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So this is going to bring the wrath of God and not the blessings of God. So in which you walked in them sometimes when you lived in them. But now you have put off all these anger, wrath, malice, which is bad intent, evil intentions, blasphemy, which is speaking evil. Filthy communications out of your mouth. Notice all these things are talking about that dimension of speaking. So, so filthy communications out of your mouth, which says wickedness has violence on the lips. All this is violence on the lips. This is wickedness. So filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge knowledge after the image of him that cre created him. So we're all conforming to one image in the spirit where there's neither Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So now we are no longer moved by the ordinances of the flesh. Yes. There's certain things in the flesh that are always going to be. If you're born in the spirit, does that mean you're no longer Greek at all? Or you're no longer whatever ethnicity you are. No, as long as you're in the flesh, you still have that ethnicity. But now you're dead to that, meaning the way of this world is still going to operate the way that it is. But now that you're walking in the spirit, you're no longer bound to that. So there's certain things that are still going to happen to the prophesied people in the Bible. There's prophecies about the Jews. There's prophecies about the Greeks. And as the people, if you're not in the will of God, because even in the, uh, Egypt, when the judgment came upon the Egyptians, there were Egyptians that were focused on the will of God and they were saved and they followed after the ways of the Jews and they escaped Egypt. So you can escape the curses that are upon whatever groups of people in the flesh. But the point is, it, this is done because you are now not living out of your flesh. You are living out of the spirit. You're not living out of the things you were born into, but you're living into the things that God has birthed you into. And the purpose that he has for you in Christ and his word. This is what it is. And Christ is all and in all. So now it's telling us to put on. So first, the thing is, the way of the kingdom is a life of system. So if you studied maybe accounting, 
computer science, certain other things. There's something called LIFO and there's something called FIFO. So there's first and first out and last and first out. So first and first out, it's like you're in a line for something like you're at a restaurant or not a restaurant, maybe fast food. And you're in line. The first person in line is the first one that's going to get served. Then there's LIFO, which is kind of like a Pez or like a Pez candy thing or when you're stocking a shelf or making a stack of papers, the first piece of paper that you lay down is the last one that's going to be taken off. The first piece of cereal that you put on the shelf is the last one. The one in the back is the last one that's going to be taken out. And it's the same thing with God. The first shall be last in the spirit and the last shall be first. That's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual principle. So, Similarly, similarly, that's why it's important. The first thing you must do when you come to God is repent. So he requires you to give him before he takes. Now, he already gave the price. That's not what it's talking about. But notice it talks about how we need to cast our cares, our worries upon him. We need to allow repentance and say, God, I need you. So then he can uproot these different things. He uproots all these ways of the old man. So then he can lay a fresh foundation with Christ to where it's all the way down deep in you. So even if something tries to get over it at the bottom, you're still in Christ. That's where his goal is to get you. So he needs to uproot all this other stuff. You can't put stuff on top of Christ and you can't have stuff under Christ. He must be the foundation. He's the anchor of our soul, our hope and Colossians talks a little bit about hope in the first chapter, but I didn't talk about that. But there's three dimensions when you're operating in the spirit. When we're operating in the spirit, we're operating out of the hope of God. We're operating out of faith and we're operating out of love. We're operating out of our expectation and our motivation. We're operating out of our actions and our word and our deed. And we are operating out of the love, which is the covering and our obedience to God and our submission to him. So there's, like I said, those three full dimensions that connects us to God and to operate in the spirit as like I said this is in first Corinthians 13 that I'm talking about so now once we put off these ways we're putting on the new ways of God so put on therefore I love this as the elect of God holy beloved bowels of mercies kindness humbleness of mind dealing with our mind first it's dealing with our soul meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. And above all these put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. So love, the love of God is the greatest of all these, because this is what makes us perfect, perfect as an individual and perfect, complete, connected to others and connected to God. So then we are completely connected to God when we are operating in the love of God. I covered this in the episode in the vein. When we are in the vein of the spirit, we are complete. We are connected to him because we are operating out of love. Another episode that was good was the interview with Charity Spake, where we talked about uh, interversion, prayer versus intercession. And the point was made talking about how uh, prayer is the fulfillment of the first commandment and intercession is the fulfillment of the second commandment. And it's the demonstration of love to God and love to others. But I recommend listening to those two episodes as well. And it says, let the peace of God. So our agreement with God rule, lead us in our where hearts. So this is our soul to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye 
thankful. So we are in a state of thankfulness because we understand that God is working these things out and we're not complaining with our mouth, but we are thankful with our mouth. We're not bringing forth an evil report against God. That doesn't mean we're not going to prophesy something that people don't like. But when we're talking about God, we're thankful. Even when something is chastening, we're thanking God like David did when chastening came, you know, and even when bad things happened at the end of the day, he was still thankful to God. It's a state of thankfulness and not complaint. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with the grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, notice in word and or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So now we're going to start seeing the enactment of what is internal, the internal things where we are internally signifies where we are and the impact we're making eternally. So what we do on the inside is going to manifest on the outside. The spiritual witness on the inside is going to manifest on the outside. So the anger, wrath, malice, the fornication, uncleanness, all that is our spiritual state is being revealed by our actions in the flesh. You will know wisdom by its fruits. Are you operating out of the experience of God or the devilish wisdom as James three talks about, which descends from below. So, what is the proof that we are walking in the way of God, that we are a child of God and we are renewed in the oneness image of Jesus Christ and the words of our deeds, giving thanks to God and the father. So how do we know this? So now it's starting to talk about that earthly manifestation, the earthly witness of a heavenly change that we are really sitting with Christ. So the earthly manifestation to show that you are really one with Christ, that you are really renewed in the image of Christ. It says the following verse 18 wives submit yourselves to your unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. Notice this is talking about different roles in life. So if you're a child, you obey your parents and maybe, you know, your wife and your husband's not treating you right your husband's not in the image of christ but you are or maybe your husband and you love your wife but your wife does not submit to you you're in the image of christ even if she's not this is just a, a model of saying the commandment of god this is proof that you're dwelling in the word of god you're dwelling in christ this is the fleshly manifestation that you're dwelling in christ children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the lord as long as it's not con contradicting with what god said this is how we honor our parents it requires us to give something back fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged notice there's a correlation between a lot of these things it brings unity and order when everybody's operating how they're supposed to so when fathers provoke their children they stir up rebellion it makes it hard for the children to receive from them it makes it hard for the children to desire to obey them but if the ch child is spiritual enough they can continue to obey their parents even in this and like if the father the fathers are supposed to, everybody's supposed to, the point is this is all about that order of christ that i was talking about earlier in this chapter it's about the order of Christ that brings the peace of God and the charity, the bond of perfectness, wholeness. It's the the carnal manifestation. So the earthly manifestation that we are walking, the fruits that we are walking in Christ, that we are really seated in heavenly places. 
servants, obeying all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So doing all things diligently. That's really what it comes down to. Everything that we do in this life, we're treating it as if if God led us to do it, because there's certain things that we try to say, oh, God, let me hear. And God did not desire for you to be there. So that's not what I'm talking about. But I know when I was praying even today, because I didn't even plan to be out where I'm at right now or, you know, a lot of things. There's a lot of things that happen to me, even going to the school I'm going to. I didn't plan to go there, but that's where I need to be. And since I'm there, I need to do what I need to do there. I didn't even ask to be there, but it just happened. I just happened like didn't just happen to go there. I planned to go somewhere else and just life led me in this direction. It wasn't even really an option. I had to go this way. No matter how much I thought to go against another way, I ended up here. And the word I got in prayer, which is a good word for you, too. You're right where you need to be, even if it's somewhere where you did in disobedience. You're right where you need to be. And if God did not desire for you to be there and you're in alignment with God, he would have removed you. So make sure you get into alignment with God and he will remove you. But if you're in alignment with God and he's not removed you, you're right where you need to be. So what do you need to do now? Do whatever you need to do where you're at, whatever church you're at, whatever school you're at, whatever area you're at, whatever family you're with. Do what you need to do there. As if it's unto God, that's what our vision is. So now we're not looking at the flesh, but we're looking, okay, it doesn't matter what my parents are doing. It doesn't matter what my siblings are doing. It doesn't matter what my pastor does. It doesn't matter what anybody does, no matter how good or a bad person they are. It doesn't matter because I'm doing this as unto God and not unto people. I'm no longer operating out of covetousness, but I'm off or any form of idolatry out of obsession for a person. I'm not doing this for even my husband or wife. I'm not doing this for my children. I'm doing this for God. I'm not obsessed with anything else. I'm not making an idol out of anything else, but I'm focusing on the heavenly dimensions on the one goal after Christ. So doing all things diligence, diligence is the number one, one of the number one signs of being right with God. Not the only ones, but to sum up all this diligence, doing it as unto God with a cheerful attitude, that is a sign that you are in alignment with God and the oneness of God, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive. Because why are we focusing on God? Because we know that it's not really our parents that we're trying to get something from. It's not our pastor we're trying to get stuff from. If you are trying to get stuff out of them, you have the wrong motivation. But we're doing what God has led us to do because it's an, at the end of the day, it's going to be God using anybody or just getting stuff straight from God. He's going to reward us for what we're doing. So even if they're doing wrong, and people are doing evil, we trust that God will reward them according to their acts and he will reward us according to our acts. So we're not worried about that because God allowed this to happen. We're going to pray for his will. We may even pray for deliverance. But while we're here, we're going to keep moving forward in his will, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. There is no respect for respect of persons. And also talks about in that next verse, um, chapter four, masters given to your servants, that which is just and equal, knowing that you have a master in heaven. So all the things that we do, it's unto God. It talks about further as speaking as he ought to speak, that it will be made manifest. So when we pray and we utter the things, I'm actually just going to read a little bit of this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but 
chapter four says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. So that witness of record on the spirit to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in the wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech always be always seasoned with grace. Be with grace, seasoned with salt, salt and light, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So the speech that we speak, as I mentioned earlier, it's a way, it's a witness, it's a dimension of Christ. So God desires to renew our conversation in him. He desires to lead us and guide us in all of our ways that we would walk in the spirit. Now, I know I'm running low on time, but I'm going to read at least one more scripture here. Like I said, Ephesians is a good book to read on all this and the dimensions of Christ and having revelation. Colossians is a good book to read as well. They're not long. And you can really finish it in about an hour if you sat down to take the time and you can meditate on it daily and meditate on certain areas. So hopefully I can wrap up this point on the dimensions. And like I said, I'm only scratching the surface of this. There's so much more that the Bible talks about with the dimensions of Christ. Like I said, the sevenfold spirit of God and a lot of other things. Like I said, there's it's only one cube, for example, there's only only one cube with multiple sides. There's only one cube with three dimensions. So there's no, not more than three dimensions, but it can still have more sides. The wisdom of God is multifaceted, but at the end of the day, it's the same one God bound together in love. Just trust the love of God and continue in it. And we will continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. So Ephesians chapter three, starting with verse one, it says the following for this cause. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you, Gentiles, if you had heard of the dispensation. So this is not a time. This is a dispense dispensation. It's not about time. It's dispensing a giving a payment of grace according to your faith. So if you had heard of the dispensation, the payment of grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of his promise and the Christ by the gospel. Why does it still talk about Jew and Gentile? Because the church was not born in Acts. The church was a people. This is a spiritual people. This is what this is about. So continuing on, whereof I was made a gift made a minister according to the gift of grace. So the giving of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the, the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold 
wisdom, multifaceted, many-sided wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purposes, purpose to which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's many-sided, but it's in Christ, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence, threefold. So we have boldness, we have access of boldness, the pureness, the essence, the boldness is not necessarily about how you say something, but the willingness or the power to be able to say what needs to be said. Access, we have the ability, the liberty to reach and confidence. So within our heart, we have that assurance. So we have the boldness, we have power, we have access, we have accessibility and we have confidence. So we have assurance by faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations, which is for your glory. So this wisdom is able to see beyond the tribulation. It's able to see beyond the flesh because it's not set on the flesh. Our mind is set above and not on things on the earth. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by with might by the, his spirit and the inner man. Remember the internal things have an effect on eternal things. That's what we're going to be judged about. It's that place in our soul. So we have the water of the word. We have the water of the word washing with the water of the word. Remember there's the, the link, like I said, remember John first John chapter five, we have the father and the spirit. We have the water and the word, and we have the Holy Ghost and the blood, which is our soul. So the Holy Ghost renews our soul, the word of God. So when we read the word of God, which is Jesus, it washes our, it washes us and washes the water. The water is where our flesh is. So when Ephesians talks about washing with the water of the word, it's talking about flesh. So we need to understand how to properly apply the context of the Bible. So getting back to the dimensions of Christ, when the Bible talks about light, our father, the father of lights, whom there's no changing or variance, when it talks about light and even sound, but especially light, like I said, when the Bible talks about light, it's talking about a spiritual thing. So when it talks about light, it's talking about his spirit, the father. So he enlightens our eyes. The light is connected to our spirit. So that's how we apply it on a spiritual level. When it's talking about the word of God, it talks about water. Whenever it's talking about water in the Bible and Jesus is the water, the living water, it's talking about how it changes and cleanses our flesh. And then it talks about the Holy Spirit with the blood. It renews. It talks about even in the Bible, how I believe it's Malachi. It talks about how he will come and cleanse our blood. So the three Ways of freedom that come through Jesus Christ are one, and this is for everybody, whether you grew up in church or not. And a lot of people who grew up in truth church are prideful and think that they don't need deliverance, but they don't need cleansing. They don't need this and that. Everybody needs it. And you might need it multiple times. But the way that Jesus operated, he always healed, he cleansed, and he delivered. That's a threefold, three different dimensions. So cleansing of the flesh, 
I believe, cleansing of the flesh. No, healing in the flesh, cleansing of the soul and healing in the spirit. That might not be exactly what is right. I'd have to really study that more. But the point is, there's three different dimensions of the way that God sets free. He heals, he cleanses and he delivers. It's three different things. So that's the power of God. It's multifaceted. How do we know? We're going to continue here that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Love is always connected to the spirit. Faith is connected to how we enact in the flesh and then hope is connected to our soul. So like we said, the blood and the Holy Ghost hope is connected to the soul. Our expectation, Jesus Christ is our expectation. So. We see this multifacetedness, the love of the spirit, the hope that keeps our soul motivated, the faith that we work in our flesh. We crucify our flesh, but we're working with our hands. We're working and we're speaking. That is the things that we're working. Like I said, it's not walking in the flesh. I'm just talking about the things that we do in the flesh that while we're in this body, in the carnal realm, in the terrestrial realm. So. Verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints. So with all the body of Christ, what is all the holy ones? What is the breadth, the length and depth and height? So this is talking about the different dimensions, breadth and length. So it's the side to side and the up and down in Christ to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye May might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us, it worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ through all ages world without end. Amen. Notice even then there's a threefold thing within us, then the church, then Christ. So we as individuals, and I talked about this in the first episode of the relationship episode, I think. But we as individuals have a relationship with the father. We as the church are have a relationship with the, each other. And then there's also our connection to Christ as well. So there's a lot to this. But like I said, at the end of the day, Jesus is one and his name is Jesus. That's the only way that people were baptized in the Bible. But it's very important for us to understand while God is single, he's not necessarily simple. We need to do our diligently search after him. That's why he said diligently hearken unto me. It's not just going to be a halfway listening. We're going to have to really study the word. And you can even continue to read in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four talks about how there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who's above all through all and in every one of us. It's. It's a connection. It's a bond of peace and it requires truth. His spirit is always based off of truth. There's dimensions to God. And that's what my goal was to kind of highlight in this episode. And there's a lot more I could have said. There's a lot more I could have read. But at some point, we're going to have to read some stuff on our own. So I pray that you guys all read some of this on your own. But the point is, we must understand that the way of God is single, but the way of God is multifaceted as well. The wisdom of God is multifaceted. 
So it's single. It's not a confusing way. It's one thing. It's not two things that are separated in their own thing. It's not light and darkness. It's just light. That's the way of God. It's not duality. It's single. Because if your light be darkness, how great is that darkness, the Bible says. It's not double-mindedness. The way of God is surety and no longer leaves you in an indecisive state. The way of God makes you to be able to make decisions. It doesn't leave you confused and I have to think and compare this and that. No. When you understand the word of God, it cleanses you. We apply the word and it cleanses us with the water of the word. When we are walking in the spirit, we have the light. So we're able to see with revelation when we have the Holy Spirit interceding within us. It is changing our soul. It is it is it says the spirit intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It utters things that we don't even know that we need. So the Holy Spirit changes us from within when we speak in tongues, when we pray. It's our communication with God and it's changing us and it's cleansing us on that level of our blood as well. So, like I said, there's a lot that I said here in this episode, and I pray that you each pray on this and you each read on this. And you don't just take my word for anything that I say, but you read and pray and study diligently on your own time. So I'm go ahead and close up this episode with prayer. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for everything you provided for us. Father, we pray that your will would be done in earth as it is in heaven, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us, that you would cleanse us, that you would lead us on that way of resurrection power, because you had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and the soundness of mind. The way of your spirit, the way of your love cast out all fear. We're no longer bound to the ordinance of the world. We're not bound to the wicked one, and we don't have to walk in foolishness either. So I pray, Lord, that you would break every veil of deception, that you would lead us and guide us so that we would see in the spirit. That we will walk in faith and speak as we ought to speak, that we would have the conversation that we ought to have, that we would surround ourselves with the people that we should and even separate ourselves from things that we need to separate ourselves so that we're not corrupted. I pray, Lord, that you would remove all corruption, that you would remove all pollution and that you would lead us in your holy and perfect way. Lord, that you would give us revelation and wisdom in you, that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of you, that we would understand that what the impact does in heaven, the three that bear record in heaven, which is one understanding the multifaceted sides of you, that you are our father, that your word matters and that your Holy Spirit works within us to understand the application of in the earth and the earthly principles of the spirit and of the flesh, the water, should I say, and of the blood. I pray, Lord, that you would just give us revelation of all these different things so that when we read and we read that you said that you are the water, how we apply that when it says that you are the light. How do we apply that when it says you are the spirit and you are truth? How we apply that? How do we understand that? I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding on all these different things so that we know how to operate in every dimension of you, that we would operate in the power that you've given us because you've given us boldness you've given us access and you've given us confidence so i pray that each person listening to this podcast would be strengthened in the inner man that you would take hold of our spirit and unlight the candle because you said that in proverbs that the spirit of the man is the candle of the lord searching the innermost parts so i pray lord that you would begin to search within us that you would cleanse us and lead us and guide us and that you would strengthen us so that everything internally would lead us to you eternally that we would embody the identity that is in you in christ alone 
and crucify the ways of this flesh. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing in this season. In your holy name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys all for listening. And I pray, like I said, when you guys listen to these podcasts, it's not even if you like I said, I don't really even advertise this podcast much. I send it to some people sometimes, but I pray that when you listen to this podcast, I don't even care who you share it to. It's not about that. If you listen to this podcast and you're touched by it, don't just listen to me. I pray that you test everything I say, because what if I'm lying? What if I'm reprobate? What if I'm reprobating the mind? What if I'm just a counterfeit? How would you know if you don't read the word, if you don't know the word, if you don't know the dimensions for yourself? How do you even know if the dimensions are real? You open the Bible for yourself. You read, you pray for yourself and God will show you because John said that you have no need of a teacher when you have the spirit. So pray that you're filled with the spirit, that you're baptized, that you follow the way of salvation. And then you don't need me. The thing is, it's good to hear people. That's I'm not saying it's not good to have a preacher in your life because faith comes by hearing and it's good to hear other people and the revelation that they have and we edify each other. But at the end of the day, you need to have your own source. You need to be sealed on your own. So I pray that you continue to establish good habits within God. But until next time, thank you all for listening. And I pray that God bless all of you in Jesus name. So have a great day and God bless.